Coming to you live from the home of the Sanderson sisters, it's the Movie Change-Up Podcast, Disney Plus Weekly Review, where every week me, Joe Fricky, and my co-host, Tristan Mayer, uh, break down the week in Disney Plus, and uh, this week's going to be a little bit different because uh, we just had Disney Plus Day, where they kind of give some big announcements, have some trailer drops, so... Uh, yeah, if you're a big Disney Plus fan, this is probably a day you've been looking forward to for a while, and a day you've been excited for, so we're ready to talk about it. If you've been following our uh, uh, Doogie, ha- or Doogie Kame Aloha MD review, uh, unfortunately we're not going to have that for you today. Uh, we wanted to make room specifically for Disney Plus and or Disney Plus Day, and we knew next week is probably going to be pretty bare bones because today was Disney Plus, or you know this is Disney Plus Day, uh, so we pushed it to next week. So we will have the finale review of Doogie Kame Aloha uh, next week. Uh, but Tristan, so. Uh, you've seen pretty much everything from Disney Plus. You've seen a lot of the announcements. It was kind of interesting because you had the morning off and worked a lot of the afternoon. I had I worked in the morning in the early afternoon and had kind of this evening to catch up on everything, watch all the releases. So, uh, before we get into each individual thing uh, that came out today, what was kind of your overall general thoughts on uh, Disney Plus Day? Are you, are you going to be looking forward to Disney Plus Day 2.0 next year? I know going into this, people had a lot of expectations of potential news that could be announced, casting that could be announced. So I was excited, like you said, to have the morning off and be able to wake up and kind of watch all this news come out live, which was really fun to kind of watch the live streams and engage on Twitter and watch as everyone was kind of getting it all at once. Uh, and I had fun with that format, definitely. But I do want to say that the, you said there's some big announcements, but uh, I there's some, I guess, but they're definitely light on the, on the big announcements in terms of what people thought was going to be here and what ended up being here. So it'll be fun to talk through it all uh, kind of announcement by announcement as we go. Overall, I, I had a good time with it. I think Star Wars, starting off the day, I was kind of like, oh, God, they have nothing to show. It's just this Obi-Wan reel, and that's it. This, this whole Disney Plus day is going to kind of flop. <laughs> but I think every other branch of, of the Disney Plus Hydra delivered uh really really well to kind of make up for the fact that i think star wars by itself didn't so yeah i had a good time but i think there are a lot of really good nuggets and a lot of fun fun announcements to go through so i'm excited to go through it all yeah i think because i'm you know star wars is probably my favorite property especially of the things disney owns and i think a lot of star wars fans let themselves down like there were a lot of rumors we get trailers or announcements that we didn't end up getting and even myself i thought um like, I was a little skeptical because it never made sense to me based on the rumors that we were going to get the sizzle reel and the trailer. I'm like, why would they release two things like that on the same day? That didn't make sense. I at least thought we'd get more of, like, a general timeline of when things would come out. I wasn't expecting, like, actual release dates, but more like, hey, Kenobi coming, you know, when they released that sizzle reel instead of saying 2022, I figured they'd be like, hey, coming spring 2022 or something. But... I think at the end of the day, uh, Star Wars fans, Marvel fans, whatever fandom you are, uh, this was called Disney Plus Day, not, you know, Star Wars Day, so, uh, I don't think, you know, if their focus wasn't Star Wars, they never said it was going to be, uh, but, 
uh, as a Star Wars fan, I'll kick us off with our first topic, and that is uh, one of their bigger releases and one of their big promotions today. So uh, regardless of what Star Wars fans think, uh, Disney does in fact care about Star Wars, regardless of what was released today. And that is the documentary Under the Helmet, The Legacy of Boba Fett, which was a good uh, 20-minute kind of surface-level documentary talking about the character of Boba Fett, kind of his origin, how he was created, and how originally his armor started off as this cost, or this trooper idea that George Lucas had called the Super Troopers, um, but eventually they realized that the armor would be too uh, costly to mass produce, so they said, hey, we still have this one set. So Joe Johnston went off, uh, painted the armor himself in kind of a cool, unique design, and he explained that process, and that's kind of how we got Boba Fett. And it was kind of just this armor that whether he was on set or walking in a parade or whatever, he was always drawing attention. And it's kind of this lore that slowly expanded over time to the point that uh, he's getting his own show on Disney+. Plus. Uh, Tristan, I know uh, because of time you weren't able to watch it, but is a Boba Fett documentary something you'd be interested in? Or is this just kind of like, eh, whatever, maybe if I'm bored on a Sunday afternoon I'll check it out, but it's not sucking you in right now yeah i'm leaning towards the ladder on that i definitely think i'll watch this probably like the night before of uh book of boba fett something like that to get me right in the mood right before the show comes out but when you say it's surface level and it doesn't quite get into anything that maybe i wouldn't know is someone who follows star wars as much as i do it, it makes me feel like it's not something necessarily for me as much as it would be like for my dad who kind of knows boba fett but he needs he wants to learn all these extra things about the character before they get this spinoff show so, yeah, I'm not quite sure it's going to be a must-watch for me. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely watch it at some point before the, the Book of Boba Fett show comes out. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, if you're a casual fan, it's for you. If you're a hardcore fan, I really don't think it's going to tell you anything you didn't already know. I would, didn't really watch it being like, wow, I had no idea about that. Uh, you know, there was a fun moment. Like, they've talked – well, Jeremy Bullock, unfortunately, uh, he was the actor that – uh, wore the costume in Empire Strikes Back, uh, had passed away, but they had interviewed like Daniel Logan about it and talking about his experience, so that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I really don't have anything else to say. It's a short documentary. Uh, you know, if you love the character Boba Fett, check it out. If you're like, I think Star Wars sucks, it's not going to make you love <laughs> Star Wars. So, um, Yeah, I'm ready. To, if, unless you got something you want to say about it, I'm ready to go to uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2. Do you have any final thoughts about just the general idea that this is pretty much the only Star Wars thing we got for the entire day? I was going to save that. I, I have some things I want to say, and I was going to save that more uh, as we discuss uh, the trailers and teasers and everything that came out today. All right, we can move on. Leave that cliffhanger for them. You know, Stick Yeah, I got a tease for later are. in the show. Keep them watching, as, as yeah. they say in the business. Uh, so we have The World According to Jeff Goldblum Season 2, which... Uh, if you didn't know, basically, it's like a lot of these type of shows where obviously famous actor Jeff Goldblum from movies like The Fly and Jurassic Park and uh, whatnot, uh, he has a topic and then he goes, basically so far of what I've noticed in season two, he goes to Atlanta and uh, explores that topic. So uh, <laughs> uh, probably because of you know the time that this was filmed our lax covid restrictions so they're just like yeah drive around atlanta and look at stuff like the first episode he was exploring dogs and he was like why do dogs and humans have this you know bond and i, I will say i actually learned some things in this episode like uh dogs have a 
high uh, social intelligence. Like, they're the, really the only animal that if you point at something, don't just look at your finger. Like, they recognize, oh, they're pointing at something. I need to look at that. Like, even chimps and uh, bonobos and uh, animals that are extremely related to us, if we point at something, they will just stare at us and be like, what? what is that guy doing? And so I thought <laughs> that was kind of interesting. And then the second episode that I just finished watching uh, was about dance, and it was just kind of Jeff Goldblum learning about you know, modern dance a little bit. It wasn't as intriguing to me as the dogs episode, but to me as someone that just lived, currently lives in Atlanta, just him being like, Oh, I'm in Fayetteville or Oh, I'm in a sweet Auburn or just these different neighborhoods around Atlanta was kind of cool. But I don't know outside of that or like, Oh, I'm in the Georgia aquarium. And I'm like, Oh, I've literally been right where he's standing. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's about it. I really liked the first season of this show. It was a very like pleasant comfort watch to see Jeff Goldblum is this very like curious soul kind of go out and discover these subcultures in these different areas of the world. So I'm really curious to watch more of this second season. Uh, I did watch uh, the dogs episode uh, that you mentioned and I had a, I definitely learned something from that. You know, I, I am more of a cat person than a dog person. <laughs> yeah, but it is interesting the bond we have between our, our pets and our animals and, I thought that was really interesting. And I also skipped forward and watched the fifth episode. <laughs> that oh, was the monsters, monsters episode. Because yep. I was like, oh, that sounds right up my alley. I wanted to see his take on, you know, our type of monsters and why that's so interesting. And I thought that was really fascinating and got into, you know, the inert psychological uh, pushes behind some of these uh, classic monsters. We're going to be pitching horror movies on the Movie Change Up podcast this month. Uh, so I was kind of taking notes a little bit. You know, we have some monster movie uh, monster movie pictures oh, you're not fighting up, me. I was kind of relevant. I was going to talk shit, and then I'm like, me and I fought each other so many times. I'm just like, oh, I'm like, I'm pitching. I'm like, oh, here's my moment to talk shit about Tristan. I'm like, oh, I'm not even facing <laughs> you. I'm facing Johnny this month. So, see, Joe all, all immediately wants to attack me. You know, that's you can see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say about the world according to uh, Mr. Jeff Goldblum? No, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you can tell I think COVID probably limited the season a lot. Yeah, so. considering so far, I, they went somewhere. They went to like one spot in California in episode one, and literally every spot in the dance episode is uh, at, somewhere in Atlanta. So I'm curious. Out of in the monsters episode, did they go outside Atlanta or was it? Because I didn't watch that one yet. Uh, it was in the. It was in. I don't know if it was Atlanta, but it, you could tell it was in like an area that was definitely in the in the. The South, so because they're more, you, I can tell when you watch these things that like, were they time to film it because it needed to be somewhere that was no restrictions and they can do stuff. But yeah. it was much more like interior, it's him talking to people, and so you couldn't really get a sense of the location as much oh, as okay. it was just the people. Uh, okay, yeah, because like in the in the dance one, he's like walking around outside, and I'm like, yeah, only only you can only do that <laughs> in Atlanta, so. You're the Atlanta expert, so you could probably watch Monsters immediately and be like, oh, yeah, that's the Atlanta right there yeah. that I know, yeah. All right, so uh, we'll move on to something uh, I didn't watch because, you know, only so many hours in the day, so we kind of had to piece it out who would watch what. And uh, so I had you watch the making of Happier Than Ever, the Billie Eilish kind of, doc, you know, uh, music concert experience thing, whatever they called it. Yeah, I had a good time with this. When we reviewed the original uh, concert film for the show, we... We liked it, but we were kind of disappointed by the lack of kind of ambition in some of the direction. And uh, we kind of thought we expected a bit more showiness from like Robert Rodriguez and the people who were involved to uh, make it into something bigger than it actually was. And I think this, in a way, did make me 
appreciate it a bit more. I saw a lot of what they were kind of going for, and she mentioned a lot about how she wanted to evolve the music into being sort of a tribute to old school Hollywood and to have the music kind of connect the way that you hear the music in like a 50s film, you know, when she wanted to have this essence of herself as a performer to be kind of like this femme fatale on the stage. And she she kind of showed how she evolved the music from the album to the orchestral larger choir production that was, you know, much more uh, complex than just doing it on your on your own and in your computer, essentially, you know, and like, obviously that takes its own skill level, but this was even a step above that for both of them. So it was really interesting to see how her and Felix, her producer slash brother, both had to work together to kind of evolve this music to a different scale and a different uh, kind of scope to make it into this concert film. All right. Yeah. Uh, is it, who, who would you recommend it to? Would it be like basically people that watched the original concert and enjoyed it? Or do you think someone that maybe just kind of likes behind the scenes stuff, but doesn't really care about Billie Eilish's music, would they care about this at all? It's not going to give you a ton of really insightful, uh, looks at like the filmmaking of it or something like that. It's more so with the, like the, the minds of the people who did it. And they talk a lot about how it was like this really big ambitious project for them. And it was bigger than anything else they'd worked on before. And I, I, criticize it in some ways that I, even though they said that, I didn't necessarily get a sense of like why that was so much bigger than anything else. Like you're talking about Robert Rodriguez. Like, I feel like he's done things that are a bit more ambitious than got my goddamn like shark boy and lava girl. All right. He should crush a, one of these things and just make it like insane. But instead it was just kind of okay, I guess. But I think if you're a big Billie Eilish fan, you definitely will get a lot out of this. Cause you're going to see her insight into her music, which is really fascinating as a fan of her for me. And I think if you definitely liked the original concert film, you'll probably love this. But as someone who wasn't blown away by that, this didn't do much to convince me that it was great, but it did do enough to convince me that they tried yeah. <laughs> and that she was kind of like, that she, that it meant a lot to her, you know? So I think it, it helped in that way. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add? I'm probably no, it was never going to watch it because I didn't really care about it. It was like uh, less than 30 minutes. Oh. I expected it to be like a feature length type documentary oh, but the it was reason like maybe I didn't 30, watch 40 it minutes. was I fully expected it to be like an hour 15 yeah I mean I, I had played and it was like oh it'll be 35 minutes and I was like oh I'll take that oh I if I had known that I probably would have watched it I imagined it would have been like an hour 15 and I'm like oh, <laughs> it might have right. helped if it was an hour 15 I, I could have like, gotten a bit more into it because I was like okay just talking behind the scenes stuff I was like okay we have the making of Shang-Chi to watch which I looked in is over an hour we have Home Sweet Home Alone which we'll be talking about which is over an hour plus we'll have that making of which all of the all of the uh, Marvel making ofs are over an hour so I thought that would be two and I'm like okay that's three hours of content and just three things so let's uh, piece this out and I should have probably looked and saw that it was only 35 minutes but whatever uh, if you don't have anything else it's time I guess to move on to our next topic yeah, we got a whole lot to talk about, Joe. Let's get this moving. All right, and uh, our next topic is Home Sweet Home Alone. And, uh, oh, I don't, I don't want to do this. Go back, man. move us back, Joe. I don't, I don't I wanna, take it back. I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to. Like it, it was, it was, it was, it was okay. It was solid. It was fine. Maybe it's because I went into it expecting, with all the reactions I saw of it just being complete dog shit, and I was just. I, I legit. I so I wa- We'll talk about the making of Shang Chi uh, next. But I watched that first, and I had beers going, and I was like, gonna start drinking because I'm like, this is gonna be a pain to suffer through. And literally, like 
15 minutes in, I was watching it, and I was engaged. I'm like, this is not bad. It's not amazing. I'm not saying it's on par with the first two at all on any level, because it's not. But it's pretty good. Like, if you're at home with your kids, and they're like, Daddy, I want to watch Home Sweet Home Alone. You're not going to want to kill yourself halfway through. It's it's okay. Like the plot holes that you would ha- that people have with the original, they explain them in this one in ways that make sense. The villains are compelling to the point that you're kind of rooting. They're not even. Vi- uh, can I spoil this movie? You could spoil okay. it for me, Joe. Okay. I didn't want to say anything to you, but I I did uh, take a look at this movie uh, today. Did you I watch didn't it? Finish it? I didn't finish it. But I made my I made it about forty minutes or so into the movie, and I had to leave for work. But I got a I got a small taste of the Home Sweet Home Alone so like, uh, that you're describing. Okay, can, am I talking crazy talk in your opinion? You know what, Joe? If my, I was sitting here with my kids, and they were like, "Hey, Dad, I want to watch Home Sweet Home Alone." I would be like, "Sure, kids," and then I would hit put on Home Alone because. Why does this movie exist? This I'm is not, like the most empty version of Home Alone ever. I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying on its own, it's okay. Like, I, I kind of like the villain setup where the villains aren't villains. They have their own, like, they're the heroes in their own story. And everything they're doing makes sense to a certain degree. Yeah, it's kind of dumb, but it's like some dumb kids movie. So who cares? And, like, the whole cop explanation thing... I don't know if you got that far, but, like, the reason he doesn't call the cops is because, as in mind, if the cops find out he's home alone, his mom would go to jail. And I'm like, <laughs> I buy it. I'm in. Okay. I don't watch movies to, like, fill in plot holes to that I didn't even care about in the first movie. Like, Yeah, but I'm just saying. And like, I also that, wanted. I'm like, okay. Like, and, and to know that uh, uh, Kevin McAllister became, like, some. Uh, like a home, home security, security company tech. owner. I was like, hell yeah, he did. And the fact that he messes with Buzz every year and like sends out like fake calls to like mess with him. I'm like, this is great. Like I have there were imagine... a lot of dumb moments. So I'm not saying there aren't dumb <laughs> moments. I'm not saying the movie's a 10 out of 10. I'm just saying I went into this expecting this movie to be fucking just a pain to suffer through. Like I'm peel- like holding my eyes open, forcing myself to watch it. Like a Clockwork Orange, and I was like, it ain't, "It's not bad. It's adequate. It's it's okay." Okay. I have to imagine that Macaulay Culkin was like handed the script, and they're like, "Can you please come back for a cameo?" And he read the script, and he was like, "No, <laughs> no, thank you," because I don't need to compel Home Alone. I'm not here to like sympathize with the villains. I'm here to see them get hit in the face with bowling balls and fall down the stairs. But I thought it was interesting, okay, that they made the villains where it's like, oh, I understand what they're doing. They tried to like change it up a little bit. They like, cause that's the thing. If they do a direct thing that's the exact same as the first time, they're like, why did you do a direct thing? Why didn't you change it? Then they change it, and people like you were like, why'd you change it? The first Home Alone was perfect. I say, Why do, even make what, it? do what you want. Because it's the 21st century. The movie's 30 years old. It's not like this big, huge blockbuster thing. It's some... I'll, I'll say this. It's the best possible version of a direct-to-Disney Plus Home Alone reboot. <laughs> That's... I, I mean, I guess. If you put that bar that low. But... I, I did when I went into it. Because I was expecting to just hate-watch the shit out of this. And I left being like, it was fine. It was okay. 
Yeah, I didn't turn that up. I was like, I'm not. Am go- I gonna I'm, act- I'm not- actively go out of my way to watch this? Like when it gets closer to Christmas, am I gonna be like, hey, let's throw on Home Sweet Home Alone? No. But if I'm somewhere and someone else is watching it, I'm not gonna be like, I'm gonna go kill myself now rather than watch this. You, you also have to know like. This is the big drop of Disney Plus Day. Like, this is their original blockbuster movie drop that, like, should be the highlight of their Disney Plus Day. Yeah, but what's been a good direct-to-Disney Plus Day movie? And based on some of the other announcements we're about to have, they ain't getting better, I'll say that. I mean, we'll see what happens. This may be the best Disney Plus original movie of all time, not counting, like, the day-and-date release, like Black Widow and those movies. Yeah, I'm curious to see how we go with these announcements, because they gave us a lot of announcements. So uh, I'm, I can't wait to hear All right, take we on. talked about this adequate movie long enough. Um, let's talk about the making of Shang-Chi. Uh, they've done a bunch of these now. They started out doing them for the shows. Uh, they've done them for all of their uh, Disney Plus uh, original Marvel shows. And then they did one for Black Widow. And now they have this for Shang- the Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And it's equal quality as all of those. I'll say I've noticed at least recently that they have one thing they kind of want to talk about that they have about 30 minutes worth of material on and then they kind of randomly talk about some other stuff for 10 minutes uh and this one maybe i'm wrong but they clearly just wanted to talk about fight scenes and fight choreography because they spent 30 minutes talking about that yeah look that was the highlight of the movie for for me at least and for a lot of people yeah. i think was the was those crazy visuals and the ambition of the fight scenes and yeah. i had a really good time seeing the behind the scenes of that because that's pretty much all i really like you can tell me oh, oh almost none of the other stuff was stuff that i was invested in learning how they made and i was mostly just like okay i want to see how they did these fight scenes because they're so different than the rest of the mcu yeah i also uh re-watched... I mean, i'm not knocking them for that i'm just i'm just noticing a pattern and now every time i go like when i'm gonna see eternals tomorrow night and the main thing on my mind is okay what are they gonna focus on in the, in the making of eternals like what's the big thing here and i guess i without seeing the movie is probably just assembling the massively stacked a-list cast but i could be wrong. i i would imagine it could be something in the visuals the direction because they're all about chloe's hours oh, yeah, she's, that's a she's big so thing well in lighting and everything the else. person who's not directing a star wars movie apparently We'll see how that goes, Joe. Uh, I'm curious to get your review on that. Uh, and for me, I did. I ended up rewatching Shang Chi. Uh, I literally rolled out of bed, and the first thing I did in the morning, as I like, was not even out of my pajamas. I grabbed my remote and I I watched Shang Chi again uh, because I saw that they released it, the IMAX enhanced version of the movie, which means they put like the full Don't frame Scott Derrickson that. out there. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, that's such a unique thing to do on streaming platforms that I want them to do more of. So I wanted to make sure that I gave Disney my little data. Uh, You know, I said, oh, I clicked on this, Disney. I engaged. You know, I watched the content. Make more of this. So I I would love to see them release stuff like uh, Endgame and Infinity War to have their IMAX ratios out there. It would be awesome. But You see uh, Scott Derrickson go off on Twitter today about that. I did not. So Scott Derrickson, for anyone that doesn't know, directed uh, Doctor Strange. And he's basically like, yeah, they never talked to me about this. I never uh, intended for uh, the entirety of Doctor Strange to be in the IMAX aspect ratio, just certain scenes. And so he was kind of not happy about it. Interesting. Yeah, making of Shang-Chi, they basically talked about the fight scenes a lot and the fight choreography. And a little bit of uh, kind of filming, uh, because I guess they were 
like three or four weeks into filming when COVID hit and they had to shut down and they kind of just moved into post-production. But yeah, a lot of the talk was on fight scenes, which makes sense. That was the big deal of that movie, the big thing that if you weren't an MCU fan, that maybe would draw you into the movie. They talked a little bit of, uh, i never 100% sure how to pronounce his name, but Simu Liu, the you know actor who plays Shang-Chi, and his casting and how he's never been in a movie before. And really the only thing he's known for is uh, the Canadian sitcom Kim's Convenience, which if you look into that is not a thing that the members of Kim's Convenience uh, talk about very often because... <laughs> of the experience of working with the writers there. But mm-hmm. if you want to find out more about that, you can just Google it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I liked it a lot. These continue, especially the movie ones, uh, so far have been really uh, good enhancements to the material. Uh, I think the TV side ones have been kind of hit or miss, but so far uh, a lot of the, the movie behind the yeah. scenes ones have been really, uh, really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, basically what I would say is if you watch Shang-Chi and you're like, this, that movie was awesome. I enjoyed it. I would recommend watching uh, The Making Of about Shang-Chi. If you haven't seen Shang-Chi, watch Shang-Chi. It's really good. It's on Disney+. Plus. If I didn't have a bunch of stuff to watch this weekend, I'd probably watch it this weekend. I'll probably save it for next weekend. Um, but yeah, it's a good movie. Watch it. Uh, I, I would say even if you're not an MCU fan and it looks... You know, or if you haven't really checked out much of the MCU, you don't really need to to understand the movie. Um, it's kind of it's for the most part separate. There's like one small crossover character that you don't really need anything, any prior knowledge to watch. So if you saw trailers and you're like, "Oh, that looks interesting," but I'll probably just be confused because I haven't been following the MCU. Uh, you won't be. It's pretty separate. So. They also dropped Jungle Cruise today, so if you haven't seen Jungle Cruise, it's no definitely worth a, a nighttime watch. You know, a Saturday, Saturday, two p.m. Get sitting there watching Jungle Cruise, ass and then go watch that movie. I haven't watched it, but I, I, I kind of forget it exists, so I can't imagine it's any good. Yeah, if you want to fill in your like low middle tier on the ranking of 2021 movies, you're like, I need one that's like a solid like C. You know, go you know, watch get, get yourself Home Alone a and validate Cruise. my opinion. Tweet at me at. <laughs> The underscore Joe underscore Fricky, F-R-I-C-K-E, and validate my thoughts that Home Sweet Home Alone is maybe adequate. Maybe. All right. Ready to move on to our next uh, topic? Let's go. All right. We talked about making of Shang-Chi. Now it's time for Ciao Alberto, which is a Pixar short, which is a follow-up of the movie that came out not very long ago, and I was hoping by now I could remember the title of that movie, and yet I can't. So Tristan, what is the name of the movie that I watched that I was like, this is not really what I expect from a Pixar movie? Yeah, speaking of solid, okay movies, uh, we had Luca come Luca, out earlier this year. Yeah, Ciao Alberto is basically a sequel to Luca. It's a short kind of about a father and son. You had kind of his adopted father and Alberto. Massimo was his kind of one-armed adoptive fisherman father, and Alberto, who is a human until he gets wet, and then he turns into a sea monster. And it's kind of about their relationship of, like, this quiet kind of father figure, and then something goes wrong, and he thinks, oh, he's going to, like, disown me. And then it's a Pixar short, so guess what? He doesn't disown him. Everyone's happy in the end. Yeah. I don't know. Luca was fine. I watched it, and I was like, this is the least like creative of a Pixar movie I can imagine this is literally like the plot of the fan of the pod race scene in the Phantom Menace 
literally yeah, the guy looks like, what if we made the character who's... I'm blanking all over the place today, but uh, not Watto. Definitely. The guy. The He looks like a human version of uh, the guy that Anakin races <laughs> in the Phantom Menace pod race scene. I let them put that together. I'm not sure what you're talking about, Joe. Uh, but yeah, uh, I thought Luca had some really strong visuals. I thought the world they created of that Italian village was so gorgeous and really captured like the reality of that place and that uh, the the whole village uh, look to it. And this continues that it still looks really good, and I still thought it was a gorgeous uh, world to look at the Pixar visuals in, but. Similar to Luca, I thought this was not quite as ambitious as I as as other Pixar shorts have been. It's definitely good, and I appreciate it. And I'm glad that uh, we got more from the world of Luca, from the characters of Luca. But I am looking forward to what Pixar does next because we had a, a kind of a highlight reel that came up from Pixar that shows us what's coming for the future of Pixar and Disney Plus. So I hope uh, some of that stuff will be better than this, even though this was solid and and okay. All right, that's Luke, or that's the villain in Luca. This this Jamelk right here, this guy. I see him. And this, and hopefully you're not watching on the podcast version because I just sound stupid. Is Sebulba the villain from the pod race scene? And the whole plot of Luca is literally just the pod race moments of the Phantom Menace. You're you're not wrong. All right, so that's all we have to say about Ciao Alberto, which was a six-minute short, which was okay. I'll be honest. Bao, maybe it's still the best. Uh, I think it was called Bao, uh, Pixar short I've ever seen. And I'm going to stick with that until it gets beaten by something else. Uh, next, we have Olaf Presents, which I know Tristan didn't watch, and I didn't, and you shouldn't either. And after that, we have uh, our next topic. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about Olaf Presents. Uh, so Josh Gad is literally one of two people that has me blocked on Twitter. Or, that blocked me on Twitter, so I can't see his stuff. Other people just mute me because they're morons and don't value my opinion, John Roca. Um, I know. And uh, Olaf presents. Call him out. It's just a summary of uh, other better Disney movies than Frozen, because uh, Frozen is probably the least good recent uh, Disney movie. Tangled, better. Moana, better. What's the other one? Raya and the Last Dragon, better. Princess and the Frog. That was semi-recent. Yeah. I haven't watched that one, I'll be honest, but probably better. Frozen's not bad. It's just regarded as the best one when it ain't. And I don't need Fro- and I don't need Olaf recapping better movies when I could just watch those <laughs> better movies. What Moving do we got on. next, Joe? Moving on. The Simpsons and Plusiversary, which uh, Tristan hasn't seen for a long, long time. It's been a long, hot minute since Tristan's watched this. I will say this. And that was all hyperbole because we got on and I said, Tristan, have you watched Simpsons and Plusiversary yet? He said, no. I said, all right, before we start recording, you're going to watch it. Because this is what happens when the creators at Simpson are forced to make a Disney thing that they don't want to make. And that's the vibe I got from it. And it made it even better and hilarious where they just shit on basically Disney Plus for six minutes. Because that's how long the short is. You see uh, Goofy sitting in Moe's bar drinking beer with Disney. Or 
Disney with Homer, and it's entertaining. You get a lot of Disney cameos in the back. Uh, Tristan, we talked about it for a quick second before we started recording, but I'll let you talk because I recap the greatness that was Olaf Presents. Yeah, I think it was a really fun drop to put on Disney Plus Day when it's such a corporate thing to have a day revolving around your streaming platform where you drop all of your like B tier, C tier content at the same time so that people will all watch it. Uh, and this kind of goes and directly comments on that and says like, oh, Disney doesn't care that much about quality. Sometimes they just want your card to automatically renew when uh, your payment time is up. And as long as they drop enough stuff to keep you going until you renew, that's all they really need. And <laughs> it was a nice kind of finale for me to wrap up Disney Plus Day. And sometimes people will get mad if, oh, Star Wars didn't give me enough or Marvel didn't give me what I wanted or Maybe I didn't like this or that. And then you watch this and you just remind yourself that this is all just a corporation trying to make money from us. And I have fun with it and I enjoy it, but I got to let go sometimes. And I think, I think sometimes, uh, you know, it's fun to remind yourself that this is all just, you know, media that we buy and consume. Yep. And I will talk about that more in a future rant as we get closer to the topic at hand. All right. You ready to talk about trailers and announcements? I'm ready. Let's go, Joe. All right. Uh, just a second. I'm going to pull this up so I have uh, the right thing. All right. So first off, uh, we got a Baymax uh, original series animated. That looks like it's going to be a follow-up to uh, Big Hero 6 coming summer 2022. What are your thoughts? quick thoughts on that? I'm looking forward to it. I think the world of that movie is so interesting and I love, the, I love that in Kingdom Hearts, you know, so <laughs> I'd love to see more, but I'm not quite sure it's going to go for our demographic. I think it might go a little bit younger than us, but that doesn't mean it won't be fun to watch. Yeah, Big Hero 6 is fine. It's another movie that's better than Frozen, I'll say that. Uh, next up, we have uh, something I'm definitely never going to watch, and that is Ice Age uh, at The Adventures of Buck Wild, a Ice Age movie streaming January 28th that looks like its animation quality is somehow worse than the original <laughs> movie. Yeah, there's no way I'm watching this. I did have some fond nostalgia for the first Ice Age, or maybe the first two or so when I was young, and they came out in that perfect time for me. But looking back, of course they're not very good, and there's no reason for there to be so many movies of that, let alone like a series. Yeah, the first, Get me out of this. The first Ice Age is, I think, a legitimately good movie. When they start going into like dinosaurs and other shit, I'm like, no, get that the fuck away from here. The first, the first Ice Age is legitimately three men and a baby, but your three men are a sloth, a woolly mammoth, and a saber-toothed tiger, and then a human baby, and it's great comedy with John Leguizamo, Ray Romano, and uh, the other guy whose name I'm blanking, Dennis Leary, you know, and a baby. Come on, that's not that's classic film right there. The rest of the series can get the fuck out. <laughs> Joe's on fire today. I've been drinking. So I'm currently house-sitting right now uh, for my friends whose wedding I was at last weekend, which is why we didn't have a Disney Plus review. Uh, turns out they didn't, because they had to bring their own alcohol, they didn't even go get halfway through the booze uh, at the wedding. So it's just in their garage, and they said, Joe, you can have as much as you want. So I fucking did. It's a dangerous, here. dangerous game to play. Next up, uh, we have kind of the reveal announcement, a thing we already knew, of Cheaper by the Dozen, a movie coming to 
uh, Disney Plus starring Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union and a mixed, you know, mixed uh, race, modern day whole family. And I'm like, man, sure, can't wait to review that and shit all over it and watch it be adequate, just like Home Sweet Home Alone. Honestly, I expect it to be better than Home Sweet Home Alone, but it's not going to be like a groundbreaking advancement of modern filmmaking. I assume it'll just be like, yeah, I can probably understand why this wasn't uh, a theater release. Yeah, one of those ones where, uh, similar to the other Chipperella Dozen movie, the last remake that came out about uh, uh, 10 years or so ago, it's going to be kind of fun more so just to see the, the cast interact and the people they come and bring together because the last one did... You know, went and tried to get like all the all stars, all stars of like the teen era, you know, yeah. and bring them all together. Hillary so it'll Duff, be fun Pat, to see who uh, they bring in. Tom Welling, you know. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of the uh, people at the time who are big names. It's, it's like a time capsule to watch that movie again. I, I, <laughs> so I'd it'll be fun it. to see this one. I think one. when we're done recapping, I'm going to go to the uh, Cheaper by the Dozen cast and look at who was in there. I know Taylor Lautner was in the second one. He was like the hot, heart, like teen heartthrob love interest of one of the girls because they go to like a camp. Steve Martin was the dad. All right. Next, we got Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey are coming back for Disenchanted. Now, I'm not 100% sure what this is. You, Your name is obviously for this episode Tristenchanted. Um, is this, uh, which is like a double pun because it's like Enchanted, but also Disenchanted, but Tristenchanted. I felt like a genius when I came up with that. I'm well, so what smart. What is this? Uh, it's obviously like, is this, uh, is this a it's movie? A sequel. Is this a series? Is this, what is this? It is a sequel. I believe it's a sequel movie following up the uh, original movie Enchanted. Uh, I hadn't seen Enchanted until today when it dropped on Disney Plus. It was one of the two feature-length movies I watched today. Uh, between that and Shang Chi, I had always wanted to see Enchanted. It was always kind of like on the watch list of oh, I like Amy Adams, I like musicals, I like <laughs> you know that kind of style. So I think it would have would have been fun. And then between dropping it here and the news of the sequel, I decided it was time to watch it. So I'm looking forward to the sequel a lot. I think it'll be really fun and. I can't wait to see Amy Adams revisit that role. I think it'll be fun to see her come back, and because that was one that kind of put her on the map as a as a movie actress outside of like TV work and things like that. But yeah, that was what launched launched her career. (laughs) No, not not the Smallville role, but yeah, it'll be fun to see her come back and do that again. I love Amy Amy Adams singing. You know, give me give me more musicals. All right. Well, you're gonna get it. Next up, uh, we have an animated movie, Diary of a Wimpy Kid. I guess they realized the whole live-action version of that <laughs> isn't working. I'll be honest. The books were after my time, but it doesn't really matter. I don't read. Uh, reading is for smart people. And I have not watched any of the movies. I know nothing of what this is about, except for it's probably of some loser nerd kid in middle school. Yeah, I read, I think, the first one when I was a kid. But, yeah, it was just slightly longer than I was in terms of, like, reading level. So I didn't really get into it that much. But I did get the first one or two to read. Uh, and I think animation is definitely the best route to go. I think it would adapt better to animation than it would to live action, clearly, because the live action movies have flopped so many times over. It's like I don't even know anyone who likes those movies, who has any thoughts in those movies, really. <laughs> they were just, like, there to get money from the kids, and that's it. So I think animation will work better for the source material, but definitely not going to be for our our age group, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Although it would get me nostalgic for being a little nerdy kid in high school. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if you were a Diary of a Wimpy Kid fan, you'd probably want to check out Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. Don't know who Roderick is, 
but he's got devil horns in his R in his name, so I'm, I'd, I'd probably watch that and be like, yeah, I'm a big Roderick fan, and everyone's like, you're supposed to hate Roderick. Roderick sucks. And I'm like, no, clearly, look at the title, Roderick Rules. Anyways, uh, next, we got a documentary that I'm somewhat looking forward to, even though I don't really care about the subject matter, and that is... Uh, the Beatles Get Back, a Peter Jackson three-part uh, documentary, uh, debuting later this month, November 25th. I think it's, if I remember right, it's three days in a row. I think it starts on, it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it's November 25th, 26th, and 27th. Yeah, I'm a big Probably. fan of the Beatles, so I can't wait to watch this. Uh... I, I respect their place in music and their history in music, but as far as the actual enjoyment of their songs there's a few songs that i like but for the most part i don't care yeah i went through a really intense beatles phase when i was first getting into music beyond just like the current music that was out you know so i i at some point went to a lot of like literal lectures of beatles scholars who like studied the music and would would kind of lecture about like their production and why it was so important at the time it came out so yeah, I got more, so I went to the academic side of the Beatles. Like, sure, the songs, some are good, some are bad, and I've listened to them all a dozen times over, but I thought they were really, really a fun band to study, so it'll be fun to get a look into their finale album, a really kind of prolific, uh, a really strong finale that has some iconic, iconic songs on there, so I can't wait to see this uh, documentary, especially from Peter Jackson. Yeah, His last I, documentary I, I, was I, awesome. As a lazy moron, I didn't watch the last one, the space one, but, like, everyone was gushing over it and saying it was amazing. Like, I think the number one thing we talk about with documentaries on Disney Plus is, oh, it was surface level. Oh, it didn't really tell us a lot. I don't think we'll be saying that about this one. No. He did his uh, World War One documentary last oh, year yeah. the year before. Th- those, would not, those who would not grow old? Something like that. Okay. And there was a similar concept where it's going to be very reliant on archive footage. And I think he is the type of person who would really put the passion into the research. And this is a passion project for him. He's been working on it for years and years and years. So, yeah, I think we're going to get some really fascinating footage and a really, really great look at the making of this album, but also kind of the legacy of the band as a whole, I think. Yeah. All right. Next up, uh, we got something I'm legitimately excited by, and that's why I put these two characters in the thumbnail for this episode. And that is John Mulaney and Andy Samberg are voicing Chip and Dale in a Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie set to premiere on Disney+. Come on, one's dressed like Indiana Jones and one's dressed like Magnum P.I. How can you not love it? I, I, I was a big Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers fan as a kid. I think they're great great choice for voice casting uh i'm excited by it i really hope it's a fully animated movie and they don't do any like animation live action garbage because then i'm out but what are your thoughts good for them you gotta have a little more excitement (laughs) you know i got no nostalgia for this and i saw that headline and i thought well i'm not watching that one and i didn't expect to come on here and see joe all hyped about it so maybe it's one review on the show and i do agree that a fully animated movie was would be better than like the Smurf no, yeah, style like, hybrids. I'm, Those I'm, are just like I'm nightmare all in fuel. right now. If they say, "Oh, this is like an animated hi- live action hybrid, like that Rocky and Bullwinkle movie, or Tom and Jerry, or the Smurfs, or anything like that," I'm immediately all the way back out. But if it's a fully animated movie, then I'm still I'm still fully in, unless I watch it and it sucks. But yeah, Disney animation always looks nice, you know, so I'm sure I'll watch it and look at it, look at it and enjoy the vis- the animation of it. And I like the actors, so they definitely could bring some 
charm to it, but I, I just don't think this is going to be one that's at my alley at all. It seems like it's going to be very much a kid thing. It's going to be at my alley. I'm sure it will. You loved Home Alone, Sweet Home Alone. <laughs> home Sweet Home Alone, man. All right. One of those, one of those two. Yeah. All right, next we got something you might know about more than I did. I had to do some research to even figure out what the hell this was. Uh, we have Better Nate Than... Yeah, Better Nate Than Ever, an original movie streaming on Disney Plus uh, sometime next spring. Yeah, it stars Aria Brooks, Michelle Federer, it's got Lisa Kudrow, and I guess it's a musical based on a book? Number one, I don't read. And number two, I don't care about musicals. So I read this, and I'm like, this might be something Tristan knows about, and if Tristan doesn't know about it, then uh, it's probably not that entertaining. I do not know about it, but if it's a musical, I'll probably watch it and think it was really good. You know, I mean, I always get stuck in that habit of like, I come to a year and every, every year I do a list of my most anticipated movies and every time like the top five are musical movies. And then by the end of the year, they're, they all suck. And I get to the end and I'm like, well, those are well, bad. Maybe this is your year, 2022, the year <laughs> of a musical better Nate than ever. Hell yeah. Look, Lisa it could be good. I, maybe I she'll sing know. Smelly Cat. Look, that would be that would make this musical, you know. Would they get sued? I don't know, but it, it'll be worth Probably it. Probably not. It's Disney. They can't get sued. Wait, who? Oh, yeah, it's on Universal. I think. Or Peacock can't get the money to sue anybody. <laughs> I or no, it's on HBO Max. That's where our friends is, right? All right. Next up, uh, we got something that women all around the world, aged fourteen to thirty, are going to be super hyped about. And I am going to throw this up on screen. And uh, so if you're watching the video version of this, you'll know what I'm talking about. Hocus Pocus 2, coming fall 2022. We're bringing the Sanderson sisters back. Kathy Najimy, Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker. They're back, and God damn, does Bette Midler have some plastic surgery. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, but yeah, Sanderson sisters are back. Hocus Pocus 2. The movie was solid. It's fine. It lives on nostalgia and not the quality of the original because it's not that good. What are your thoughts? Hocus Pocus 2. I I mean, I've seen the first one how many times over? Not even because I've seek, I've like gone and sought it out or whatever, but like it's just been like on, you know. <laughs> you know, it's always on TV every Halloween and around yeah, that go time. On Freeform. Well, I grew up when it was ABC Family, but now it's Freeform. It, you, you just... You go on Freeform during the month of October, and they're playing Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I do have particular memories about this because I, uh, when I was uh, a kid, I went to an after-school program that for my for my parents to go pick me up from school. So there was like a couple of hours where I sat at school, and every day pretty much I put out a movie. So that was kind of like when I was a kid, my introduction to a lot of movies, uh, watching with this after-school program. And they always showed Hocus Pocus during like October and September and all around this time. So yeah, I've seen it tons and tons of times at that point, but a sequel, I guess it'll be nice to see them back together. I mean, they look cool and as the characters again, it'll be fun. Uh, I'm sure it'll be really campy and a lot of throwbacks and, and fun stuff like that. And I am looking forward to watching it. I'm sure this will be one of those kind of like for the fans, not going to win any awards, not going to like top any lists, but going to be a fun kind of nostalgia ride for people who love the original. So I'm looking forward to it as someone who I don't love the original, but I, I have enough memories with it that I'll enjoy seeing this one. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got a movie. I'm surprised it's coming to Disney plus 
and that is the live action retelling of Pinocchio starring Tom Hanks, Cynthia Erivo, Luke Evans, with the voices of Benjamin Evan Ainsworth, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Keegan-Michael Key, and Lorraine Bracco. It's directed by everyone's favorite 80s director, Robert Zemeckis, and it's coming fall 2022. I figured this was going to be a directed, you know, a theater theatrical release, not a directed Disney Plus release, so I'm curious, are they getting the dailies back on this, and they're like, this movie sucks ass, or are they like, hey, we need a good directed Disney Plus movie, and we're going to roll with Pinocchio. There's no way this is good, right? I mean, it won't be bad, I don't think. It's going to be as bad as all the other Disney animation and hey, live action. Hey, Aladdin thing. and Jungle Book were good. All the other ones can kind of suck ass. Yeah, and I, Robert Zemeckis is like a not very ambitious director at this point in his career, so I don't see him doing anything very interesting with this source material. Uh, in the in the voice cast, it's like a bunch of names. Like CGI stuff. So he's gonna like the puppets gonna look cool. Like Pinocchio's gonna look cool or freaky as shit. There's one of two options. It's gonna be like, wow, that was really well done, or that's gonna give me goddamn nightmares. And maybe it'll uh, be a little bit of both. But outside of that, the movie's gonna be okay. It's gonna be at okay. one point. Paul Thomas Anderson was supposed to be involved in a Pinocchio remake project, and he it seemed like something that would be really interesting because they gave that to a, they would give it to a director who could do something kind of weird with it, whether it was good or bad. I would have loved to see like a really strange director take it. And when you hear Robert Zemeckis instead of Paul Thomas Anderson, you're like, oh, they traded out, you know, Edgar Wright for Peyton Reed here. (laughs) Wow. Shots fired across the bow. Quick question, rapid fire. What's your favorite Pinocchio movie? I mean, I go for the original. I think the animation is Wrong. Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Kingdom Hearts is also the best version of Pinocchio, so... Kingdom Hearts is a shitty game. I've never played oh. it, actually. I don't know. I just thought shit. That's what I Insulting did. the icons here, Joe. All right, next up, uh, you know, we're moving away from the uh, Disney live action, and we're headed over to National Geographic. I'm just going down the Twitter thread, so if you pull up that Disney Plus Twitter thread, you're going to be able to guess what's coming up. First up, we got Limitless with Chris Hemsworth, where Chris Hemsworth is like basically like, I want to be like Tom Brady. He doesn't say that, but... He's basically like, I'm seeing the end of my physical peakness or my peak physicalness or however you want to say it. I want to increase my longevity. And so it's just him doing all this crazy ass shit, having a midlife crisis, even though <laughs> he's goddamn Thor. And that's kind of that's kind of it. It's coming in 2022. It's a like docu series. Did you see it? What are you thinking? I mean, I look at Chris Hemsworth shirtless running around if you're into that. That's all I needed. I mean, that's all I was thinking. I'm like, all I got to see is him, like, you know, in, in waterfalls, you know, no shirt, they're going around. And I do love these kind of exploring nature type documentaries by themselves. So I get to see beautiful nature shots and I get to see Chris Hemsworth also being beautiful in nature. Like, I, I'm into that. So, yeah, I'll be watching this one for sure, Joe. All right. Yeah, I'll probably check it out. Well, I'll have to because we'll be reviewing it on Disney Plus, uh, our review show. And next up. Uh, we have another show, National Geographic show where we follow a celebrity around. This one is a six-episode series. It starts uh, this year. It starts December 8th. It's called Welcome to Earth, and it's just following uh, Will Smith around as he goes around the Earth. And obviously, you got to throw an Independence Day reference in there because he's an actor who's in need of a career resurgence, so you got to <laughs> reference his old movies. Yeah, I was going to say... That's uh, that's an inside joke to a long-standing debate between me and Tristan on whether Will Smith needs his uh, 
career resurgence or not, and I say he is not. He's when you're he's, doing he's been mini he's, series he's at, for Disney Plus. Been. Oh, so Chris Hemsworth needs a career resurgence. Absolutely, Chris Hemsworth. What has he done outside of Thor that has not been like a what flop? has he ever done outside of Thor that's not been a flop? His career is he is at peak career right now. His career has never been better. <laughs> Look, well. I, I'll definitely watch this also because I, I like Will Smith. I believe in his career. You know, I wanted to have a comeback. So I'll be checking this one out. Uh, and Will Smith is cool. You know, I think he's, it's going to be fun to see him go on adventures. You know, <laughs> why not? These are nice kind of background watch type shows. So I'll be into it. Yes, yeah, it's this cool nature show where Will Smith goes around. He goes from up in the clouds, down in the oceans to around the world. He just goes to the ends of the earth, Will Smith. I really like to, I want to say, for both of these shows that the the star is actually like involved in the stuff and going out and doing it compared to like the Gal Gadot one we watched earlier where she was just like Zoom calling in and talking about the stuff that was going on and it didn't necessarily feel like they were involved. Yeah. And I think it's cool to see the, the celebrities actually going out and doing this stuff. Yeah, definitely. Next up, we have America the Beautiful, where we go around the greatest country ever created. Look how beautiful it is. Don't really understand the plot of this. Oh, well, it's not a plot. It's I mean, it's a documentary. But like, is it just a bunch of nature shots? Like, what did they see the uh, galaxy or the Star Wars thing where it was just flying around the different, you know, visuals? And they're like, let's do that, but for America, and you know, not really have a voiceover or have any kind of anything. It's just a bunch of nature shots. Like, I don't know what this is. They didn't sell me on this. I'll be honest. Yeah, I didn't get a great idea of what this was, and I would be into a. Something that was like a d- actual documentary narrating the the nature of the actual like American nature and stuff like that. That would be interesting. I don't necessarily need like a screensaver, you know, like the Star Wars thing. I I watched one because it was like, oh, cool. I want to see him fly around Hoth or whatever. But like, yeah, that's not going to be something that I that I need in my life. Yeah. All right, now we are moving away from National Geographic and going to other Disney random shit. Uh, something that I think we're going to have to draw straws on who was forced to watch this. And that is Sneakerella, which is basically the story, a modern day retelling story of Cinderella of this sneakerhead kid, uh, who designs like a sneaker and like people like see a sneaker and then uh, I don't, uh, I'm already tired of talking about it. I don't even want to <laughs> Like you are the one who thinks Home Alone is really good. Home uh... sweet Home Alone. Everyone thinks Home Alone is good. Home Alone is good. I don't know about this Home Sweet Home Alone, but yeah, I. We'll and I didn't see how say it was good. Goes. I said it was adequate. I know sneakerhead culture is a really vibrant kind of full culture, so I I think theoretically this could be interesting if they're able to actually capture that culture in some way. But when it's a this Disney movie, I'm not quite guys, sure. Directed by a white guy. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up before I talk out of my ass here, but like I'm gonna guess. Yeah, when you put anything through a Disney Disney filter, you're not. I'm not quite sure how well they're gonna capture. Any of that, but yeah, I mean, theoretically, it could be good. Uh, I, it's more interesting than just taking Cinderella and making it over again with the exact same plot, with the exact same scenes and the exact same shots. You know, <laughs> at least give it a new, new identity, a new direction. Well, first of all, I was wrong. It's directed by a white woman who maybe she's young and into sneaker culture, but she's most known for directing episodes of Pretty Little Liars. So I'm gonna say that's probably a big bet. No. You sell me on it now. You tell me if this is a pretty little liars level catastrophe, like a tone of that, I might be into it. Alright, it's got a lot of writers and stuff on it. Oh, one of the main writers was like an exec a big writer on my wife and kids, so I'm already in a, that was a great underrated show. 
You gotta love when you have a write a writing list of like ten people, and you're like, "Oh, that went through a lot of a lot yeah. of problems, huh?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. The more I looked up on this, the the more sold I was not on Sneakerella. You know, we'll see. All right, next uh, we got a show I'm excited about. It's a revival of a show I grew up on, and it ha- it gave me a brainstorm of an idea that I want to run by you after I talk about this show. And that is the Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Slightly updated animation, but they didn't overhaul it because they didn't need to because you don't mess with perfection, baby. I'm all in on this show. I think it's just going to – they the show – the original run was great. That was back in the day when uh, Disney would do 65 episodes and call it a wrap. There were 65 solid episodes, and they're like, we're just going to keep this train moving 15 years later, however long it's been. Uh, the trailer that they dropped uh, looks like they didn't miss a beat. Basically, the entire voice cast is coming back. I'm excited. Are you excited? I'm looking forward to it. I definitely like the animation style. You, like you mentioned, you don't know if they're going to go too far into making it modern and contemporary to the point where it's not even recognizable. But you also don't want them to be like so much of a throwback that it looks bad. <laughs> so I think this is great throwback animation. I think it's going to bring you back to that era of of uh, Disney Channel animation and uh, updated to modern graphics. And so you can, it's a lot more watchable than some of the old stuff is in terms of like frame rates and stuff like that. So I'm really looking forward to checking this out. I don't have as much, like I watched this show sporadically. I didn't sit there and watch the entire thing, episode to episode, episode like you probably did, but I definitely recognize the characters and have episodes I remember. So it'll be fun to be able to watch the run of this new show week to week and watch every episode. Yep. That comes out February of next year. And I want to pitch you an animated show idea. Give me Kim possible as an adult going on missions with her teen daughter. Tell me that doesn't make you excited. I, th- I, I would that watch idea. that immediately. I was like, that would okay, be so good. Proud family was super, you know, popular, but like my brain immediately thought to like, what else was there? And in my mind, I was like, Kim possible. I'm like, we need something Kim Possible on Disney+. Plus. I know they tried to do like that live-action movie that looked fucking garbage. I did not watch it. It looked so bad. But give me an animated show, Kim Possible. Bring Chrissy Carlson Romano back to voice Kim Possible, who's now married to Ron Stoppable. Bring Will Friedle back. And then you have, yeah, Kim Possible and her daughter going on missions. I would love it. We're in the era of stuff coming back. We'll talk about another show reviving from the old olden days. Uh but yeah, I'm looking. I would love that joke. Give me some more Kim Possible. Put that in Disney Plus Day Part Three. You know, when they're at the third anniversary, yeah. they can give us the Kim Possible show. Yeah. The pos, call it the possible. Well, her name, I guess, would be the Stoppables, but call it something. I don't know. Kim Possible would definitely keep her last name. Yeah, that's true. But like, would her daughter still be something possible, or would she be like possible and stoppable? Stoppable, possible, yeah. hyphenated. I, I don't know. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, call us, Disney. We got this. Yeah, we got time. Next, speaking of Disney Channel stuff coming back, we had a Disney Channel original movie get turned into a show, and now that show's getting a third (laughs) season. High School Musical, the musical, the series, season three, and they're telling us, uh, I'll be honest, so Tristan had watched the first season or two, and then when we were doing the Disney Plus review, season two was coming out, and I was like, oh, I guess I got to review this. And I was full on board to fucking hate watch it and come on this podcast and talk a bunch of mad smack about how awful the show is. Then I watched it. And I'm like, fuck, this is actually pretty decent. 
and so I couldn't talk shit. And now, here I am, a grown-ass 28-year-old man, excited for fucking High School Musical, the musical of the series, season 3. And we know what musical they're doing. Tristan, do you know what musical they're doing? Because I do, and I'm ready to talk shit, because I'm not <laughs> as excited now. You're not as excited? Look, I mean, I thought season 2 was certainly a step down compared to season 1, but I still thought it was entertaining, and I, I liked the cast, and... Olivia Rodrigo is like a lightning bolt in that show. It's like how they really have gold with her. So, uh, yeah, tell me the musical in season three, Joe. Well, their tweet was, we already have chills. Hashtag has, blah, 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 blah. Season three is coming in 2022. And the tagline, love is an open door, dot, dot, dot. They're doing goddamn freaking Frozen. <clears throat> how boring. Although I do, do goddamn Moana and be cool. Moana's underrated, but it's the best of the like modern of yeah of the modern Disney animated movies. There also is a Frozen stage musical that is uh and the touring yeah uh, and going back in touring at this point so overhyped maybe they're trying to hype up the uh, up the musical yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Frozen is not the most exciting choice, but uh, I I would have said the same thing about Beauty and the Beast last year and they still delivered us a pretty solid season out of it so maybe this one will be just as good all right so next up i don't know what the hell the spider wick chronicles are but i love that when i was now. a kid it's a show now. i was a huge spider wick chronicles fan when i was a kid actually i read those books front to back for multiple times i was really into those books a lot and they attempted to make a movie out of it at one point or another it didn't really hit i think i would definitely want to check this out i know i don't remember the books beat for beat very well at all, but I remember the characters and I remember some of the cooler storylines from it. So I would definitely like to give a chance to check this one out. It was in the same kind of vein of a series of unfortunate events. So if you're kind of into that style and that tone, that kind of like slightly dark YA take, but not quite as dark as like Hunger Games, uh, more on the fantasy side, I think you would enjoy it. So I'm looking forward to it. It could be a flop. It could be like really kidding and bad, but I have some good memories with the book, so I'm looking forward to watching it. All right. Speaking of fantasy, moving on to our next topic, we got the Willow series. If you don't know what the hell Willow is, it's a movie starring Warwick Davis, directed by Ron Howard. It's, uh, basically, this fantasy uh, movie of this like dwarf who's essentially Luke Skywalker, and it's made by Lucasfilm, and it's just a more fantasy Star Wars, but it's set in like a traditional fantasy world. Now they're making a series on it, and it's like a sequel to the movie. I'm curious what they're going to do, because uh, Val Kilmer was essentially like the Han Solo role, Matt, uh, Mad Mardigan in this. And he has throat cancer and can't talk anymore, so I'm curious if he's going to be in it. If he's going to have like a cameo, or if they're just like going to say, oh, he died, or what they're going to do. But what are your thoughts on the Willow series? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much nostalgia for Willow. I know I see, I saw it when I was a kid a handful of times, but it wasn't one that was on my list of kid movies that I watched all the time. So I wasn't uh, exactly excited to get back into the Willow cinematic universe. You know, it's not something where I'm like, oh, I need to see more of this world. I need to see more of these characters. But I, I mean, I'll check it out. It could be, could win me back. It could win me over. You know, but I'm not coming into it with like a nostalgic need for this university back alive in my life. But I liked it enough, so I, I definitely am in the camp that could be one over. But I, as of this point, this is not one that I'm excited for, uh, at least in terms of comparing it to the rest of the stuff on this list. Also, do you know who Aaron Kellerman is? I do not. 
You goddamn should. She's in goddamn everything at this point, and I want to know what dirt she has on the people at Disney. She was Enfys Nest in Solo. She was like the leader of the, you know, terrorist group uh, yes. in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now she's in fucking Willow. I think she's really good. I like her. I I mean, she's been a standout in what she's been. You know, I think Solo. She was a really striking presence. I think she was good in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Hey, she's a she's a new new age Disney star. Let's give it to her. All right, respect. All right, and then you know they dropped about the under the helmet legacy of Boba Fett, which we talked about, and they dropped the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi sizzle reel, which I guess they changed the name of the show because I believe when they originally announced the show at Investor Day last year, they said that they the title for the show was just Kenobi, and now it's Obi Wan Kenobi, which whatever I don't really give a shit. Um, it's fine. Um, but yeah, they dropped us as a reel. Now I'm ready. I'm ready to talk. <laughs> I figured he would. Uh, I, I'll These go. thoughts who, I've been stewing on for a while. I've posted them on Reddit, and I got massively uh, downvoted for my. I think we both have a lot to say for this moment. So I wonder who who would you like to go first, Joe? Uh, I'll go first, and then maybe if you're too afraid to talk after that, uh, you will not be forced to speak. Um. So there were rumors going around, hey, uh, we're getting a Kenobi trailer. Hey, we're going to get a Bad Batch Season 2 trailer. Hey, there's going to be Andor Sizzle Reel. Hey, we're going to get all these announcements. You know who didn't say that shit? Fucking Disney. All they said was we'll get a special look at some Star Wars stuff. And, you know, we'll get Star Wars content. Guess what? We got a Boba Fett Fett, um, documentary and we got a special look at Kenobi. They delivered on what they promised. They never said we're going to get all this shit, and we didn't. And I think fans are have become entitled. Like, look at Spider-Man. I'm hardcore rooting at this point because it's essentially confirmed that they're in the movie, not by Sony or Marvel, but by leakers, that Andrew Garfield and Tommy McGuire. And I'm hardcore rooting that they're just glorified cameos because fans are going to be pissed, and it's going to be hilarious. And I think fans in general are just like, act like they're owed anything by these companies. It's like, Lucasfilm and Star Wars, you know, Disney owe us nothing when it comes to Kenobi or any of these shows. The only thing they owe us is if they say, hey, Kenobi is on our platform next month, so make sure you pay for Disney Plus so you have Kenobi next month. Then, at that point, they owe us Kenobi next month because they took our money. So far, they have not taken our money for the times that Kenobi comes out. So they owe us nothing. They they don't have to give us a poster. They don't have to give us a teaser. They don't have to give us a trailer. They don't have to give us anything. They can literally not advertise it at all. They could literally not advertise it, and tomorrow I'll be like, oh, here's all of Kenobi just on... Disney Plus, watch it. Watch all of it right now. Here's every show. Here's Book of Boba Fett. It's, it's on Disney Plus right now. You can watch the whole thing if you want. We don't care. Because they owe us nothing. Um, and that's kind of my thought. I'm not upset about it. They didn't say, hey, the trailer for Kenobi's dropping, and then they didn't give it to us. Uh, and I think, you know, I can understand being disappointed. You know, that's fine. I, would I have liked to see, like, dates for stuff? I would have wanted to see the Kenobi trailer, but I'm not mad about it. It just sucks that we didn't get it, but I'm not out here tweeting at Disney every day like I've seen people online saying, oh, if we get everyone together all tweeting at Disney saying, oh, you have to drop the Kenobi trailer, they're going to drop it. It's not how the world works. Uh, That's kind of the end of my rant. Uh, Yeah, we didn't get it. 
it kind of sucks that we didn't get it, but I'm not mad about it. And I think if you are mad about it and you're like incessantly tweeting at Disney and how you're all angry and pissed off, then you're not a true Star Wars fan because you don't understand the me- you know the messages of Star Wars of letting go of your anger and hate and you know not holding on to it. And uh, all right, now my rant is officially over. You may speak, sir. I'll definitely say that I don't feel any level of anger or like entitlement that I felt like I deserved something. I was perfectly fine with not getting something and I didn't necessarily go into this wanting anything, but I do look at Disney plus and I do look at their week outside of Disney plus day, huge drop in uh new user numbers, like a really, really bad drop. And I think well, they-, they needed this to, they needed this day to really be able to bring in people who hadn't necessarily bought into Disney Plus yet, or maybe who did at the beginning but have fallen off, or someone who was saying, oh, yeah, I meant to sign up for that, but I'm not quite sure if there's anything there for me to watch. They needed this to capture a wide net of people, and I think they did a very, very good job with the Marvel stuff. We haven't talked a lot about the Marvel announcements, but I think that definitely delivered with a very, very small amount of footage and a very small amount of time they were still able to really do give a lot to talk about and a lot to think about and a lot to look forward to and a lot to sell a user on keeping their annual subscription going or to sell someone on signing up and saying, Hey, you know, all these Marvel shows do look kind of good. Maybe I'll get on Disney plus. And I think it isn't a lot to ask star Wars for the exact same thing, you know, a 10 minute montage of, Oh, here's like a couple of scenes from one, a couple of things that are coming out and here's a montage of the logos of the shows, you know, that I think presenting well, I think this information would, in a better way would have helped this a lot. Yeah. I would, I, I would argue is, that I, I kind of understand their logic in doing it in like a tweet form. Like I get it, but also like I don't at the same time. And I think like part of the problem is like fans are like, Oh, why didn't they give us logos? It's like, well, we got the logos last year at investor day. So what, what else is there to say? And for me, my thing is essentially, like, so far, Star Wars, Lucasfilm has shown that they don't promote anything beyond what their next thing is. So right now, they're all in on Boba Fett. I'm kind of, to a certain level, shocked that we even got the Kenobi sizzle reel, because that's... I mean, that to me, that definitely... Because we, before this, we weren't even sure what's next after Boba Fett. But I think the fact that we got the Kenobi sizzle reel kind of tells me that uh, Kenobi's next after Boba Fett. So that'll probably be coming, like, February, March-ish, or, you know... I, I, I'm guessing now, at this point, that the finale of Kenobi is May 4th, would be my prediction. What I have to say, though, is this day was not... It shouldn't be giving us breadcrumbs to put the pieces together of the next year. It should be giving us a good picture of what we're paying for and why we're paying for it. Because, like, the reason they do this when they do this is because the annual renewals come up and they want people to not cancel the annual renewal. So I think it would have been a much bigger hit for Star Wars fans. They didn't have to really announce anything new, you know, I think. But just giving us, here's the logo of Ahsoka and here's, like, two frames... And here's like two frames of Ahsoka in action from the show. Here's But they haven't started uh, filming Ahsoka yet. I think they start filming like next month. But they have previews done. You know they have previews done. The same way they – I mean they've shown stuff way before the movies have come out. And sure we've seen the logos before, but that's that's not what this is about. Like we've seen a lot of these Marvel logos before too. But it's not, about presenting not. it. But it's she about presenting it. gave it to us last time was different. But it's about presenting that to the audience in a way that everyone will see it. And like, sure, if you've been following the Marvel news, you know these are coming. But I think they could have, they could have just given us this exact same thing 
with Star Wars. And here's the logo. Here's what's coming up. Just to, just to give you an inch of a reminder of what's happening, I think that would have helped a lot in the, I, I, in the delivery of this. Because Star Wars right now feels like it's the, the redheaded stepchild. Everybody else is getting these big new shows and new ideas, and Star Wars is kind of lost. And it makes me a little bit concerned of their confidence in some of these shows that they've shown so little and that we have such a vague idea of what's even coming out and what's even still happening and when it's even coming. Just as someone who's, like, followed it and knows that, like, and, like, I've just seen it enough to know, like, that's just how Lucasfilm operates, is they're all in on their next thing, and then when Book of Boba Fett's done, they're all in on Kenobi, and then when Kenobi's done, they're all in on either Bad Batch or Andor, whatever's after that, and I don't really... I I understand that, because I'm ready to move on, but I do think, like, I understand that this is what Lucasfilm has been doing. But I do think Disney needs to look at their numbers and realize that what they've been doing isn't going to work long term and that they maybe need to step it up a little bit and market themselves because the market is a lot more crowded than it was two years ago. And there's a lot more to do and a lot more out there to get the money away from the users. (laughs) And essentially, like the Simpsons thing taught us well, like Disney wants those annual renewals to pay through and uh, they got to really really think about how they're delivering this information to people and make it as exciting as possible, you know? I will say, though, in their slight defense that they hit their five-year projection of their user base in 18 months, and I will say, I think part of the drop in subscribers, or I don't know if, I don't, it didn't drop, but it just didn't rise as much as it has, is because of COVID. And I feel like if COVID hadn't hit, that we would, like, Book of Boba Fett would be come and gone, and we'd probably be like midway through Kenobi, or we'd be like just starting Kenobi right now. And I think that partially is there was a gap in new content that they weren't expecting. And I think that, that was is a big true. Part of it. And I think, but you have to present these gaps as not gaps, but as like times before something big, you know. And I, I, right right now, if I asked my dad if there was a Andor show coming out, he wouldn't even know. If I asked my dad if there was an Ahsoka show coming out, I don't think he'd even know. But if you gave him this montage of a couple concept art shots, a couple things here and there to show that these shows are coming, I think that does a lot for people who are just casual audiences to say, oh yeah, that's right, I do still want to sign up for this this service. But in... Not to keep on this topic, but I was talking to my friend about it whose house I'm house-sitting for, and I brought up Disney Plus Day. And they have Disney... They both... You know, they live together. They've watched every episode of Bad Batch. They watched every episode of, you know, Mandalorian. They're going to watch Book of Boba Fett. They had no idea what Disney Plus Day was. Never heard of it. And so I I think part of that is, I mean, you could then go to the marketing of Disney Plus Day. But I think, um, I feel like the people that know Ahsoka's coming would have seen those images and you know knew that and they would have been told information they already had and the people that don't follow movie news never would have saw them anyways but i mean we're we're very close to book of boba fett and i think uh we we could have gotten more from that show as well i know we had the whole behind the scenes or the whole like legacy of boba fett type of thing but similar to hawkeye how hawkeye was kind of like a featured part of the marvel uh reel i think it would have been nice to get you know, a few, a scene or so out of out of the book of Boba Fett to get people kind of excited for what's coming up because Star Wars definitely felt buried by everything else today. Whether you think it was like in how they roll or whatever, I think definitely no one's talking about 
Obi-Wan comparatively to a lot of the other stuff that was talked about today. But the important part is, when are they going to be talking about it when it's actually here to talk about? We'll see, but... I think when uh, Boca Boba Fett comes out, it's going to be all over Twitter and dominate Twitter. And if it's not, I'll sit here and say I was wrong, but... Either way, I... It's going to be I, one of those shows where you can't go on Twitter until you watch Boca Boba Fett because you're going to get spoiled. Either way, I do think fans need to adjust their expectations and realize, like, yeah. just because you were let down and didn't get what you thought you were going to get doesn't mean anybody owes you anything. Yeah. Uh, you can cre- you can like criticize the marketing choices and the way that Disney is presenting things, but that doesn't mean like you you didn't do any work. You're not putting in anything. You're just watching. You're just consuming. You you're owed nothing here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, if uh, I mean they don't produce their you know release their numbers, but if they had to be like, okay, what's Book of Boba Fett's numbers compared to Mandalorian season two's numbers and all that, and if it's on par, or the same or higher, then it's like, okay, well. Whatever they're doing is clearly working, so. Or, you know, it's half the viewers, so it's, like, clearly not working. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how all this stuff plays out and how many of these shows hit. Yeah, and I also I can't wait to get to the Marvel side because we're going to get through a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, we had a lot to talk about that side, too. So it'll be curious to see how all that hits and how all of it blends together. We got a lot of announcements here, so once it all starts trickling out, how is it going to play out? And then one one final thought, too, that I had thought about is I feel like Star Wars doesn't necessarily need the same level of marketing as Marvel because you don't have to tell people who book a Boba Fett. Like Andor people, he's like the lead of basically the most beloved movie of the Disney Plus era. Whereas, like, far as, like, Moon Knight and She-Hulk, you have to kind of educate people on who these characters are, where so far with the upcoming Star Wars content, you really don't need to as much, so it, I don't think it needs the same level of marketing. Of You more just have to tell people it's coming out, you don't have to educate people on what it actually is. Yeah, I just think it'll be interesting. We have a really good picture of Marvel, but not quite a clear picture at all of Star Wars. So I just want to, I'm really curious how, what the 2022 is going to look like, because we don't really know what's coming. I mean, we do. It's just the when of more. All right, so after that, we got Cars on the Road, which is a Pixar series uh, following Mater and Lightning McQueen. What are, your, are you hyped for that? We've had three too many Cars movies at this point, and it seems like one or two too many Cars TV shows. So, you know, I, I like the cast of Cars, and I, I didn't, I liked the first car as well enough. I think it had some really interesting themes and it really kind of captured the landscape really well. But yeah, I, I do not need Pixar to keep going back to this car as well. It's very, very dry. <laughs> give us something more interesting, Pixar. And like they give us this and give us Luca. Like I'm not, I'm not feeling an ambitious, ambitious Pixar right now. Give us something more interesting than cars. All right. Well, uh, speaking of, we got some upcoming documentaries about the making of Turning Red and Lightyear. So, you know, are you excited for that? I, honestly, people are dogging on Lightyear, but that teaser that they dropped like last week or two weeks ago, I'm intrigued by it. Turning Red basically looks like, what if instead of the Hulk, a little girl turned into a red panda when she got emotional? So. I'm looking forward to Turning Red. I think it's a really cool premise, and I like those really kind of human Pixar stories. Like Inside Out it's one of my favorite Pixar movies. That's very much about like the emotional turmoil of the of this like individual characters so i think it'll be in that vein so i'm looking forward to that and the other uh 
Which one was the other Lightyear. one called? Uh, the Lightyear. That's what. It, yeah, the, the Buzz Lightyear one. Yeah, I, I want a dog on that premise because just the idea of like, oh no, this isn't like the story of Buzz Lightyear. This is the story of the guy who inspired yeah, the toy that they made well, Buzz no, it's, Lightyear it's, about. It's, from what I've seen, is like this is the movie that Andy would have saw that made him get a Buzz Lightyear toy. On the face of it, it sounds terrible, and like a Chris Evans casting is like a in the vein of Chris Pratt as Mario. But uh, that teaser did impress me. I think at the very least, it's going to have some really great Pixar visuals, you know, and yeah. Pixar being able to show like the scope of space in that way will be really interesting. I can't wait to check out at least the visuals of that. It'll get away from Pixar's typical locations, typical color palette. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with the visual scope of that, even if the plot doesn't necessarily grab my attention the same way that Turning Reds does. Yeah. We're also getting Win or Lose, which is a looks like baseball centered uh show on disney plus so you know pixar show so sure i like baseball baseball. (laughs) i'll watch it and then we also have uh zootopia uh plus which is a short form series uh about various characters in the zootopia world which again sure fine i really like zootopia i thought the world in particular is really interesting and it had all these really dynamic characters and a lot of background detail. So sure. I'll check it out. I like that. It's a short form thing. Although I would have liked to see like an actual long form series similar to like monsters, uh, the new monsters Inc with some of these characters back, but I'll, I'll take some little glimpses into the, into the world a little bit. Those are, it was a fun world to see. Yeah. We're also getting uh, Tiana, which is a new long-form musical series coming in 2023. The series follows newly crowned princess of Maldonia on a new adventure, but her New Orleans past isn't far behind. Definitely checking this one out. Uh, You said you haven't seen the movie uh, Princess and the Frog, but uh, I'm looking forward to the series uh, based on that. A lot of the Disney shows or Disney movies have gotten attempts at making series based off of them and some are better than others uh none of them quite been fantastic but uh i think disney plus offers them a platform to really actually like invest in these and not just make them like kid filler shows for the channel yeah so i'm looking forward to what they do with that for uh going forward all right and we also have uh intertwined which is an original series, live action series on Disney Plus, which basically looks like the Disney version of Last Night in Soho. I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard of this one until today, but uh, looks interesting enough. Looks kind of cool, up the same vein of like Just Beyond, maybe you know, or or uh, the Mysterious Benedict Society, like in that in that YA vein. So I'll, I'll check this one out and see how it goes. All right, and that brings us to kind of our final. A uh, slew of announcements, and I'll throw up a uh, the picture here if I can find it, when which is just like the various Marvel shows that we're getting. So we're getting uh, Marvel Zombies. Uh, I'm just gonna uh, t- uh, announce all of them, and then we can kind of talk about each one that interests us. We got animated show Marvel Zombies. We're getting Agatha House of Harkness, Ironheart, uh, the animated show I Am Groot. We're also getting Spider Man Freshman Year. Secret Invasion, Echo, She-Hulk, Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, and X-Men 97. Uh, so I'll ask you, which show are you looking forward to the most? 
I cannot wait for Moon Knight, and I think that teaser really uh, brought it home for me. I think Oscar Isaac is going to give a really interesting performance. I love his like goofy accent that he. I don't know how to take it, but he has like a really goofy British voiceover accent going on in this trailer, and uh, I'd have to guess that because of the character's mental illness, his dissociative uh, identity disorder in the comic, he tends to have multiple personalities, and I think this series is going to uh, manifest those through different voiceover performances from Oscar Isaac. So it would be fun to see him give like a lot of different accents and different ranges to his performance. And Ethan Hawke's also in it, who uh, will be a really interesting uh, actor to bring into superhero movies. He was spoken out against him and saying how much he doesn't like him. And now all of a sudden he is <laughs> playing a supervillain. So it'll be fun to see what he brings to the performance in that. You think uh, Oscar Isaac talked to James McAvoy and he's like, all right, give me all the tips from playing in <laughs> I, I can't wait to see it. Oscar Isaac is such a fun uh, actor with such a great range and uh, between Dune and a lot of the stuff this uh, this year, uh, he's had some great stuff going on. So I, I love that he can go from like a Star Wars to uh, the Anger Bourbon documentary or Anger, uh, HBO Scenes for Marriage he just did. Like he can do hardcore dramas, he can do comedy, he can do franchise stuff. So I'm really excited to see him do this. Don't forget his greatest role in X-Men Apocalypse as Ivan Ooze. <laughs> Forgot about that one. You know, I wish I wish I could erase that permanently. Yeah. Uh, for me, I probably agree in Moon Knight being the one I'm most excited about. Uh, Agatha House of Harkness could be great. I'll be honest, I didn't really watch the X-Men series from the 90s. I watched more of Batman, so the continuation of that, I'm, you know, whatever about. I'm really intrigued if they tie it into the... Uh, MCU and are essentially like, oh yeah, this is just another universe in the multiverse. I think could be. I'm really if they had if they somehow tie that into um, what if, and it's like, oh yeah, this is just another universe in the multiverse, and so the MCU really started in 1997. That could be kind of cool. But I'll say that I'm like, yeah, I'm probably not gonna watch this because I didn't watch the original series. So I'm definitely gonna watch it. I watched the original series on and off and when Disney Plus first launched that was like one of the first shows I ended up binging through and I was really impressed by how well it adapted a lot of the comic book storylines and it handled them with a lot of maturity for the era and for like the medium in a way that I was super surprised by so I think the fact that it's not just a revival of the show in name they're bringing back the creators they're bringing back the voice cast it's gonna feel like picking up from where it left off and I think the fact that the same writers are involved is gonna it's a good sign for me that it's going to continue along on the same route of maturity, and it'd be fun to see them adapt some of the plot lines they didn't get to adapt in the original show, or maybe adapt them in a larger way. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily expect it to tie into the multiverse in any way like that, but I would also not be surprised if, in some way or another, it does. <laughs> you know, yeah, even if it's just that like, offhand type thing. I don't think it'll be a big like thing of like, oh, this is like essential mcu viewing now i think it'll be more like i could see an episode of someone from what if crossing over and someone from that crossing over in a random episode of what if or and you know another animated show like uh spider-man uh freshman year which i'll talk about because i saw an article in my uh as soon as that i saw that logo spider-man freshman year my initial thought was i bet that's going to be tom holland spider-man origin story and then i read an article and you know basically that's what disney says it's going to be is uh like the very early stages of uh tom holland's spider-man and i'm like all right i could see that i don't know i'm, I'm very curious how it'll be because i could see it being kind of shitty not gonna lie <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm curious to check it out. And I know in the logo that kind of like peels off and it shows this very like 1960s looking comic version of Peter Parker. And I think if it may be wonder if that's going to be the animation style they use for the show, if it'll feel kind of like a, a newsreel comic come to life type of thing. And if that is what they do, I think I'll be really into this. I think the animation style potentially could be really fascinating of seeing those 60s Marvels, Marvel cartoons come to life with that color palette and kind of the, the whole range that it looks it looks really unique. And if it looks like that, I'd be into it more so than if it was just a typical like animated yeah. show that it has like a forgettable style. But I, yeah, for me, it's very much going to be determined by one, what does it look like? Is it really, is it an interesting animation style? And two, of course, are they going for like a kid audience? Are they going for like the Marvel fan? This is essential viewing type audience. Like, is it going to be a what if audience or is it going to be like a Chippendale kid at hey, the park hey, audience? Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, oh, Chippendale at the park. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going to say Chippendale rescue rangers. And then or like the Spider-Man hands. Spidey friends show all the time. Yeah, Disney yeah, plus yeah, is yeah. very much for a kid audience and sure it has Spider-Man I, in it, I but I expect this to be a bit above maybe, that. Maybe they've already said, but I think it will, will know what they're going for when we know the voice cast. Cause if they say Tom Holland is like back voicing Spider-Man, then we'll be like, okay, they're putting like actual effort into this and like, it's going to probably be okay. But if they're like, Oh, it's, you know, this random kid, no one's ever heard of is voicing Spider-Man. Then it's like, okay, then they're probably like not as high effort into it. Unless they're intentionally getting like, a younger kid, but if they're, if it depends on the kid too, I guess if it's, uh, uh, what's his face, Jacob Tremblay, if they're like Jacob Tremblay is voicing Spider-Man, then it's like, okay, they're still probably putting effort. They just wanted someone that actually sounds like a high school freshman and not like force Tom Holland to like make his voice sound a higher pitch. But if it's like some random, like voice kid actor, then probably going to be, I'm curious, I'm curious about getting back to Marvel zombies as a full series rather than a single episode, because I think a lot of the problems people had with that episode was that it didn't, you never really had the time to explore any of the ideas or the characters or the themes. And it got kind of, didn't necessarily feel like it was taking itself seriously enough. And I think a full length series could give them time to explore that in a much more detailed way and uh, explore the range of that tone in a much more, rich way so it's not like as much of a tonal whiplash as the episode was i i'm also curious too if, it, if it's going to be a direct follow-up to that episode or is it just going to be here's another story in another marvel zombies universe yeah. with new characters it's totally the totally disconnected plot from what we saw in the what if show yeah i can see that and wild card theory here though joe but uh i'm gonna guess with with, with no evidence whatsoever to support my guess that we're going to get Deadpool in this show. In Marvel Zombies? Yep. All right. We got to find a way for Deadpool to enter the MCU in some natural way. And, of course, they're slowly working on Deadpool 3. People might think, oh, Doctor Strange 2, that could be it. I think a Marvel Zombies show works perfect for Deadpool because you could have that kind of R-rated yeah. violence and really go in for the action. And I think that could be a really fun way to bring him in. Yep. Just looking at... Is there a show on here that you don't care about that you're like, if they announced that it got canceled, that you'd be like, okay, my my emotion has not changed? Secret Wars, I feel very unsure about because... Secret Invasion? Secret Invasion, yeah, Secret Invasion, because they have this multiverse story building up, and it feels like the scroll storyline has been really sidelined and not quite built up at all. So I wouldn't be... I, 
I don't quite have an idea of where they're going with the Skrull storyline yet, and maybe Hawkeye and other shows will fill that in for me more. But I could I wasn't sure if that whole plot would end up getting dropped or not. But I am looking forward to most of this stuff. Like, sure, if Miss Miss Marvel got canceled, I wouldn't be heartbroken of about it. But I I, I like the character. I'd like to see more of the actress playing the character. So, <laughs> why not? Yeah, I think Secret Invasion, from everything I've seen, is that's going to kind of be the Avengers of the uh, Disney Plus, uh, like kind of micro verse within the MCU of just like uh, like Hawkeye and all of these like Disney Plus shows are going to converge into Secret Invasion. Uh, for me, it's a very clear choice of the animated I Am Groot show. I just am like, how, 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 how much likes? But of the actual shows, because like I'm not counting that. Um, I'm gonna go with Iron Heart again. I feel like it's just because I don't really know. I mean, I know what it is of like this, like basically uh, girl who is like just as smart as. Tony Stark and she like builds her own Iron Man suit and you know I could watch it and I could be like this is my favorite of the MCU shows but just as of right now and I really don't know anything about it it's my choice I'm curious about Ms. Marvel because I that's one where they've changed a lot between the the comic character and the what we see on the screen of the character and I'm curious how that's going to go over because the Marvel doesn't typically change the characters power sets like that much they still well, kind of at least it resemble them of, and then physically like scarlet witch's powers aren't as strong in the movie as they are in the comic book but like a shot of scarlet witch still kind of looks like scarlet witch from the comic and when you change ms marvel's powers that much i think you sometimes run the risk of making the character kind of unrecognizable uh so i'm curious how they'll adapt that and what they'll do to make it still look pretty cool and not feel like a totally different character that has the same kind of costume and name yeah, well, they probably didn't want her to have stretchy powers when they have another guy they're about to come out with that has stretchy, stretchy powers. That's more popular. Look, you know, we gotta we gotta repeat power sets eventually, and I feel like the, we see how many people who are like, oh, we have like this magic thing, like we have a magic wrist thing now, or we have like the magic little orb thing that goes in here, and then it lets us do the magic stuff. Like we've seen people use the same powers in different ways, so I wouldn't. Look, we'll, we'll I feel see, like there's but only so many ways you can stretch. You know? <laughs> I feel like stretching is just kind of like, they stretch, you know. His arm's like this, but then it's like out like that, you know, I feel like. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this Marvel lineup, though. And we talked about how Star Wars didn't really have a lot to show off, and I think Marvel definitely had a lot. Even stuff like I Am Groot, stuff like She-Hulk that we knew was Secret Wars, stuff that we already knew was happening. Oh. It was cool to see Nick Fury in the Secret Wars, like, uh, whatever you would call it, like, the part of the reel that had Secret Wars, it looked like there was some test footage or something of Nick Fury without his eye patch on, looking all disheveled and old. R.I.P. Tristan's And memory. so I think that's going to be interesting to see uh, how that turns out. So, yeah, I, I do want to mention that Marvel did a really good job with this, of just, in such a small amount of footage, they were able to just show, like, here's a couple of shots of uh, Nick Nick Fury, you know, and they had very little to work with, but they did a good job making it look cool and presenting it like it was something cool that we hadn't seen before, even if a lot of it was stuff we saw before. Yep. All right. I think that for the most part wraps up our Disney Plus Day uh, review. It looks like it uh, wrapped up my battery pretty quick on there. We had a long conversation, but it was Disney Plus Day, and we had a lot to talk about. People were like, oh, they didn't give us a lot. We just talked for how long about announcements, and we, uh, we skipped some yeah, stuff, we too. Yeah, like, <laughs> sped through a lot of it. But, yeah, I think 
know, it's a big, successful Disney Plus day. Like I said earlier in the show, it's Disney uh, Plus day, not Star Wars Plus day or Marvel Plus day. It's Disney Plus day. And I think if you have Disney Plus, uh, you should have a lot to be excited about. And, uh, you know, yeah, they did a good job of making me feel like I made a good investment. You know, and it dropped enough con- like Shang Chi, something that I definitely think is worth watching. Jungle Who, something that's worth watching. They dropped enough stuff on here where I was like, yeah, you know, they got they got stuff coming out that I like, and they've got upcoming things that I'm interested in. And for me, I, I definitely felt like Disney delivered on what they said. If this is Disney Plus Day. They gave us a bunch of stuff to promote Disney Plus, and maybe they didn't deliver enough on the one thing in Star Wars, but I don't think that's enough to like sink the entire day. I think Pixar delivered. I think Marvel, not just delivered, but kind of exceeded my expectations. I didn't expect the X Men revival show. That really surprised me. I didn't expect uh, animated Tom Holland origin show. That really surprised me and intrigued me with the potential of what it could be. And so I was impressed by Marvel. I think She Hulk looked great. Like they, they did a good job of making me feel excited for what's coming. And also make me feel kind of uh, thrilled, thrilled with what we already got by highlighting what twenty twenty one gave us as well. So I had a good time with the Marvel, the Marvel show for sure. Yeah, and one final thing I will say is like there could be, you know, if you're depressed of, you know, if you're like Tristan and you're like, oh man, I wish we got more Star Wars stuff. There could be a bigger picture thing we're not seeing. Where like, hey, maybe they just didn't want so much stuff competing with each other and so much news that other stuff gets buried. So they're like, Hey, you know, we're not going to do Star Wars. We know we're going to save some of our Star Wars stuff this time, but maybe a month from now, two months from now, there's going to be like some big press thing from Star Wars. That's like, Hey, you know, here's everything from Star Wars, you know, to be in the news. And so maybe when there's a time when there's dry news for everything else, there's Star Wars to come in and be like, boom, look at us. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to 2022 uh, as a two years. I can't believe it, but it was a good run. We had a lot of good stuff in the last two years and a lot coming up. Yeah, and so next week for us, we'll be talking uh, the last two episodes of Doogie Kame Aloha MD and uh, anything else that drops. Uh, this uh, It's usually Disney Plus kind of front loads their months, so there's a lot more in the early part of the month and the back half of the month and we're reaching the back half of the month and so I think next week is our last week before um um Hawkeye Hawkeye I could be wrong let me look real quick I believe it is I've been revisiting the Hawkeye uh storyline so so next week will be our last week before Hawkeye and then that's gonna kind of be our big thing until that ends, and right when that ends, we got Book of Boba Fett. So we'll have, basically, uh, next week is kind of our last dead week, but we have two episodes of a show we've uh, really enjoyed to talk about. So, uh, yeah, uh, without further ado, uh, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.